And we're back. Roy Mangrum here with the Barbell Voodoo Podcast. Uh, real quick before we get started, uh, I want to say congratulations to everybody, all the teenage and young adults that competed over at CrossFit Gulch um, today. It just got over. Uh, big shout out to Jackson Boyd. He took first in his division. Um, he's keeping up with him all day. He was He was carving it up. So congratulations to him. So uh, this week, uh, we actually recorded, this week we recorded, uh, it ended up being a two-part podcast. So we're going to play part one this week. We sat down, uh, we're down here in Panama City Beach, Florida. We sat down with Everly Funches. She is the owner of Battleship CrossFit. She's also a games athlete in the games last year, Masters Division. Um, one of my favorite people, uh, every time I'm down here, I visit her. And we sat down to record a podcast, and we talked for over two hours. It's just all kinds of stuff, stuff I had no clue of. Um, and it was just so neat to, to learn so much about someone, you know, um, that I thought I knew a lot about. Not so much. So... Anyway, um, enjoy part one of the podcast um, with Everly. You're going to hear all about uh, her trip to the games last year, how it went, um, the emotional roller coaster it is, training for the games, how she even found CrossFit, um, literally went from rock, walking her dog to uh, competing in Ironman competition. So crazy. Uh, running the Great Wall of China, uh, and also being a dancer in a Brian Setzer video. So, so much to cover. Uh, we cover all that in this episode. So, enjoy it. Um, we're just going to cut the chase, get it going. Uh, one more thing, forgot to mention, a huge sale at Max Muscle in Cool Springs this week. Um, almost skipped over it. So, Get with Jamie Free or run by Max Muscle. Hit him up on the Facebooks, the Instagram, the Twitter, and uh, and get some deals. Huge deals. Huge deals. So, uh, and we're going to get with Jamie this week and, and talk about uh, what's what he's about, uh, his journey he's about to embark on. So, <clears throat> anyway, let's jump into the podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Check you later. This is the Barbell Voodoo Podcast with your hosts, Roy Mangrum and Jamie Free. Recording. We're recording. All right, so we are at Battleship CrossFit today. Um, whoop. let's see, what is today? Today is Thursday. 23rd June. June. So this will be out this week. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. So this Sunday-ish, Monday-ish, it comes out Sunday night. Okay. But most people don't Got see it till Monday. But anyway, so uh, sitting here with Everly Funches. She is the owner of Battleship CrossFit. She's a master's athlete. She is a dancer. No way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place to start. We'll start there. <laughs> uh, 
you know, when I was in my 20s, I was in my 20s, yeah. I guess, uh, headed to 30, um, and the the swing thing came back around and <coughs> swing Brian music. Brian Setzer and, Orchestra, I remember yeah, them. Brian Setzer Orchestra, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Yep. Um, uh, there was this style of dancing called street swing, and it was being taught all over the place. It was a three-step and a eight-step and Lindy Hop, and there was all this really cool old-style dancing, and I saw it one day, and I thought, I want to learn how to do that. Yeah. So I took a couple of lessons, nothing formal, um, wound up uh, with a dance partner who I had no, you know, wasn't a boyfriend, anything like that. It was just someone who was willing to work with me. Yeah. We choreographed, we... We worked, we did competitions, we were out four or five nights a week, you know, martini in one hand, yeah. cigarette in the other, um, just dancing up a storm, and um, it wound up leading to uh, two national championship dance trophies. So How crazy is that? Nothing, um, not, not the ballroom type of stuff you see on TV, mm -hmm. not dancing with the stars, but like street swing, vintage clothing, vintage hairstyles, uh, Fun, yeah. crazy, a uh, lot of up in the air stuff. Um, uh, I'm in the video of uh, "Jump Jive and Whale" Love that by song. Brian Setzer. Love that song. Yep, um, I had red hair at the time and uh, looked a lot different. There will be a link to that video <laughs> in the show notes on YouTube. <laughs> Not necessary. Yes, it is necessary. <laughs> um, from there, um, you know. Some unhealthy lifestyle uh, choices. Um, I was a, a smoker, heavy drinker for uh, until I was about 33. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of just figured, well, you know, I really need to get myself together and, and do yep. something that's different. So where were you living during all this? I was in California. Okay. I lived in San Diego. San at the Diego. Time. Yes. Okay. Um, and when... I, at the beginning, I had a little dog. She was a Jack Russell Terrier named China. Um, I would start walking her, uh -huh. and then I would walk her a mile, and then I would walk her a couple of miles. And the weather in San Diego is very mild year right. round, and um, I would walk her and walk her. And um, it got to where I was running, and then I decided. I'll sign up for a 5K. I'll see how that goes. Did a couple of 5Ks. Went out for a 5K. There was also a triathlon, a sprint triathlon going on. <laughs> and I said, said oh, I want to try that. So I got in a pool. I learned how to swim. This was about 34 years old. Um, I did my first sprint triathlon that summer in San Diego. And I was standing in line afterwards to, in the re at the restroom. I remember just really struggling through it, being really scared and, mm -hmm. and like couldn't believe all the changes that were happening and you had to go from the swimming to the biking, the biking to the running, and then you still had to run hard and then you had to come across and, you know, I didn't, I didn't place or anything like that and that wasn't really, I didn't really care because yeah, it was, it was just the first time. Yeah. And I remember standing in line for the restroom afterwards and there was a woman standing next to me. She was actually the weather girl on the local news station. Okay. And she had this symbol on her necklace. And I asked her, what is that? And she said, you don't know what this is? This is the Iron Man, the symbol for the Iron Man. And I said, well, what's the Iron Man? She said, oh, the Iron Man is held, uh, you know, in a couple of different places throughout the world to qualify you for the world championships. 
Um, it's a two and a half mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a 26.2 mile run. And the, the symbol looks like. Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That right there. So uh, I said, well, how do you do that? And she said, you gotta sign up. So I did a bunch of sprint triathlons and a bunch of uh, what they call Olympic distance triathlons and I, be I became competitive in my 30s and, and then really uh, was running more races, was running longer events and then in 2002, um, I said I found an Ironman race that was in Florida and I said so I'll... So um, are you still in San Diego? Um, let's see. I had moved, let's see, had moved from San Diego to Puerto Rico, was living in Puerto Rico. How in the, the hell you moved to Puerto Rico? <laughs> I had got married. Okay. <laughs> had married a military man. Okay. Um, we, I found this Ironman race uh, called the Great Floridian. It was in Clearwater. And I signed up, paid my $500 entry. And then thought, what do I do now? <laughs> so I started swimming a lot more, um, biking a lot more, bought a nice, really nice high-end bike, um, and then started running. And uh, So this sounds like the training is a full-time gig. Um, I had a job. Uh -huh. so, and I also had a group of triathletes that I trained with. Okay. And I raced a lot. Um, if there was stuff going on on the island where we lived, I was there. I mean, I was short distance, long distance, yeah. whatever it was. I was, I was always there. I raced all the time. Okay. Um, I would fly back to Florida to go compete in, uh, like, women's events. I was starting to make a name for myself. And actually, this was, the, this was the year, 2002 was the year that triathlon actually came to the Olympics. Okay. Um, uh, in a, what's called a... a Olympic distance triathlon, which is a, a little bit longer swim. Uh, when I say that, uh, I, I think it was a it's a two a one k swim, a fifty six mile bike ride, and a ten k run. I think that is an Olympic distance. I'm not don't quote me on that, but anyhow, so um, seventeen hours is the cutoff time for this Ironman. Sixteen hours. 56 minutes, 57 <laughs> seconds, I finished. Awesome. So, uh, and I'll, I'll send you some of those, I'll send you those, that finish line yeah. picture. And I then spent the next three days, I mean, it was, it was glorious. There's literally nothing that compares to that finishing. It's yeah. so, such an accomplishment. And being an Ironman, once you're an Iron Man, you're always an Iron Man. Right. No one can ever take that away from right. you. So, um, so then um, that was in 2002. In 2003, I went and competed at Iron Man Lake Placid. Okay. Uh, girlfriend and I, she had done it the year before. Um, I'd uh, done the half Iron Man in St. Croix. Um, my life uh, went through some changes and. Um, I started to try to, I wanted to develop um, a better relationship with other athletes, bicycle manufacturers, gear manufacturers, clothing manufacturers, and really started, that. so I was showing up and doing stuff probably about 30 weekends a year. 
Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, paying my own entries, paying my own travel, taking care of, you know, whatever I needed to do to get there. And really, as it has, as it turned out, I wound up getting in with an awesome um, clothing company called Jagged. They were an Australian-based company, and when I went and raced, I've raced in Australia a couple of times. I raced in New Zealand, Japan, Korea, Jesus. Malaysia. So I'm a 13-time Ironman. That is crazy. Yeah, and I think I've probably done, I can't remember exactly, but I think it's somewhere between 35 and 37 marathons. So... Um, you know, it's that was a different time for yeah. me, and uh, a different life. Different life, and then um, in two thousand eight, um, I went to China, and I ran the marathon on the Great Wall, and that was pretty cool. Wow! And I had um, so you go up, 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 up. You gain probably almost two thousand feet of vertical. In the first 5K. I mean, it's just literally straight up. You're climbing stairs to get up this, this wall. And then you go along the spine of the wall. Then you come down the wall. And then you run out through the village. And then you come back up and over. And that's the finish line. Um, came up, went over that spine. Come literally cr crashing down these stairs. Um, I knew I was in third place in, for the women at the time, and there were two German girls literally directly behind me and were running in an area this wide. Yeah. You know, it's two feet wide. Brick wall on one side, abyss on the other. Yeah. And I, as I landed my right foot, I landed hard on my heel, I felt my sciatic nerve yeah. uh, pulled over to the side, let them pass. Kind of was like, ooh, yeah, that Feel really good. Um, finished the race. Didn't have a very great uh, finish time. I think I still finished seventh or something overall for the women. Um, flew back through Japan. Made it into an MRI machine, um, and had broken my pelvis. Wow. Yeah. And still finished the race. Still finished. Yeah. Um, I was on crutches for about. Uh, six or seven months after that, um, just really couldn't put any. It's um, right in the bottom part of your hip bone. Yeah. It just, yeah. uh, it just was a hairline fracture, and so um, rehabbed from that. Went back to triathlon. Uh, raced Ironman Florida a couple of times, um, and then I went back to China and raced at Ironman China, and that was really. Uh, on that day, a hurricane or typhoon had passed through, and two days before, I remember standing on the edge of that beach and thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And uh, I did the race, uh, finished dead last. Um, I've had some awesome finishes. I've had some 10-hour finishes, mm -hmm. and I've had some 17-hour finishes. Um, I've never quit, though. I've, I've, I've always finished every one I've ever started, which is good. Um, but finished that race and I was like no no I'm not doing this anymore so that was the end of Ironman for so, me like how long of a period of time was this that you did those about seven years seven years yeah. so as a kid though was you super competitive uh I have like, a younger you sister who's 10 months younger than me and uh neither of us were athletes we were really uh good grades we weren't allowed to wear makeup 
stuff like that. Right. We, we, my, my dad and mom kept us really, you right. know, tight and very focused. And of course, we were extremely rebellious and both in a lot of trouble by sixteen, seventeen. And it just seems like though to, to the dance thing, like okay, this looks like fun. Go ahead and be the best at it. Be the mm-hmm. fucking best. Yeah. Uh, Iron, I'm walking Man. the dog. Oh, I'll do an Iron Man. Yeah. And, and I'm going to be the, I'm going to fucking do it over yeah. and over again where some people can only dream of doing it the first time. Well, and, and then there's, then there's another segue. Um, in October of 2008, uh, I thought that looks cool. I should do that. I got my visa, packed my bag and hiked through the Himalayas to <laughs> Mount Everest Base Camp. Uh, I, was in, I, was in, I was in Nepal for 32 days, and 19 of that was hiking up to the Mount Everest Base Camp and then hiking back down, and then spending a couple of days in, uh, in Kathmandu on either side of that and going to Thailand and doing some other stuff. So, yeah. I love how much life you live in such a... Well, and then two years later, uh, flew into Belgium with a backpack, no reservations, no tickets, no nothing, just credit card, started in Bruges, and then 31 days later flew out of Rome. No reservations, no nothing, just did everything, and stayed in hostels, and, and backpacked, and saw some Alone of the Alone or with friends? Well, I, I, you meet people everywhere, so I So you I was went alone. there alone? Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yeah. So crazy. So, you know, tra- travel, that's why I think travel is so important because yeah. it really educates you on the beauty of people and that you can be an American and you can see someone who is white, Caucasian, mm-hmm. in another country and start speaking to them and they don't speak English. Whatsoever. They speak mm-hmm. German, they speak whatever, you know. But if you say, do you speak English? And they say, yes, a little. Um, then you can have a great conversation with them. I mean, I got to see some of the most beautiful castles in Europe. I got to see, I did a, called a Kulinarische Wanderlung, and it was a 10K walk with a backpack, and every K, there was food and wine. How cool is that? Yeah, you had a wine glass around your neck, and it was so <laughs> awesome. It was such a great thing. It was just happenstance. I mean, we, um, and then uh, I took on a, kind of decided to settle down. The expensive trips were pretty expensive. Yeah. And took a job um, working as a community association manager for a, a neighborhood. Um, had done the Ironman here a couple of times in, in Florida and knew this is sort of where I wanted to settle. Panama so. City Beach area? Mm-hmm. Okay. So moved back here in 2008. Um, and then uh, took a job, very high stress. The recession was going on. All these properties were in foreclosure, and when you're managing all this stuff and all the banks and lots of stuff, it's really stressful. And then homeowners associations are terrible. People go to those meetings because they want to fight. They want to sue people. So um, I did that for about two years. No exercise, no nothing. And So did you literally just stop? Everything. Well, what stopped me? What I, why I stopped running? Um, in January of 2009, I did the Goofy Challenge at Disney World, uh-huh. which is a 5K on Friday, a half marathon on Saturday, and a marathon on Sunday. So I ran all three of those, and I'm like, 
fuck this. I'm not running anymore. Forget it. <laughs> and, and then I, and I never did. Oh, I, love I never it. did. It, 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 it blew my legs off. And I was never really right after that. And yeah. I just didn't have the desire. I was burned yeah. out. And, um, you know, I look at, at pictures of myself and I look at myself and I go, that's a really unhappy person. That's a person, mm-hmm. when, when I look at pictures of myself, and, and I know this now, but in the time it was happening, you know, you, uh, as, as men and women, and, you know, when with, um, you know, everybody's got their story and everybody's got a harsh upbringing or, you know, whatever, but I spent my life chasing big dreams because I wanted my parents to be proud of me. Oh, I feel you there. And <laughs> wanted their affection and their yep. attention and that at a girl. Yep. I wanted that. Yep. And I, regardless of how much I did, they were there, but they weren't present. You know yeah. what I mean? It was yeah. just yeah. like, oh, fuck, we got to go sit in the sun for f- five fucking hours while she's out on the bike. You know, it was just, that's that was the... yeah. That, that, that's what I thought. Yeah. Oh, God, i got to leave him here. I'm so worried. What am I going to do? What if my mom falls out from, you know, I didn't, I worried about that stuff. Yeah. And I had all this anxiety that surrounded. So when I would go in race and I was by myself, it was awesome because I yeah. didn't have anything to worry about when, when it was just Mine's me. Mine's clear, yeah. So um, I started seeing signs in June of 2011 that in July, July 4th weekend, that CrossFit Panama City Beach was going to open, and I thought, CrossFit, I, you know, I remember this. Uh, I remember hearing about CrossFit, and I remember a couple of my friends trying it out, and they really liked it. And I remember training some triathletes towards an Ironman, and I remember telling them they needed to lay off the CrossFit a little bit, but I didn't really know anything about it. So July 4th, 2011, I walked in there, and I, uh, I met Andrea, and I met Chris Morrill, who was the owner mm-hmm. of... Um, um, World Camp CrossFit. Mm-hmm. They had they actually had made it to the games that year, so they were getting ready to leave for California uh, from Georgia, and they were there to help her. She was one of theirs. They were there to help her open up, and I did that first workout. And Chris Morrill came to me afterwards. I was wearing my Ironman bra top, and he said, "You know, you could be really good at this if you'd be willing to give it a shot." And I thought the This can't be, this can't be something for me. Do you remember what the first workout was? Yes. There was, we had to part, it was, we partner carried in the circle around the parking lot. Mm -hmm. There were burpees, there were push-up holds, there were backwards running, there was partner carry again. There was it was sort of a myriad of things, and they had written it all on the wall. No barbells. No barbells. Okay. And July fourth, so I inquired. At that time, they were doing a what was called a lifetime membership for yeah. three hundred dollars. So I thought, well, uh, I don't know if I want to commit to a lifetime membership because <laughs> I didn't know her. Yeah. She was new to the area. She didn't know anybody. But what I did was I joined. For, for, for three months. And then I brought all my friends. Yeah. Um, I brought people from my neighborhood. I brought old people. I brought young people. I brought teenagers. And um, I drank 
the Kool-Aid, big time. And in so that was in July. In September, I have the photo, I have the evidence. We didn't know each other at the time, but that was first in September was the first time Will and I worked out together. Mm-hmm. I'm in the front of the picture, he's in the back of the picture. Uh, in about October, started making small talk and that type of thing. No, was he a coach? No, no, he was okay. just a member. He, he was just, just a member. member. He had been doing CrossFit. He was the um, he was in charge of the um, training programs at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center okay. over in um, in Georgia. So Brunswick, Georgia. So he had CrossFit experience and. But he didn't. He didn't have his level one. Well, we got to know each other in June. The next, uh, backtrack a little bit. Things were going well. I was learning. I was bar- be- mm-hmm. being taught barbell work. I was being taught body. I mean, I was learning to do pull-ups. I was, you know, typical CrossFitter. Yeah. Learn everything yeah. all all yeah. the time. And um, there became a, a communication gap between the coach and, and either myself or the coach and, and other people. I know she had some stuff going on in her life. And I started getting better and better and wanted more coaching. Will then began sort of coaching me a little bit and setting up some weightlifting stuff for me. And um, my numbers were going up. And then uh, in April of 2012, I went to her and said, hey, listen, I need more of a challenge. And um, I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> and and I was honest with her. Yeah. And um, I went over and, and uh, spent some, Will and I spent some time over at Panhandle. And then out of Panhandle, we it was great because we were, uh, I was really around a lot of competitive women. Yeah. Uh, Elise Trexler, who was one of their athletes, been to regionals many, many times. Um, terrific athlete. There were uh, several women there that were um, – really helpful and um i learned more we started working a lot with the outlaw programming at yep. that time mm-hmm. it was new yep. and yep. different and um we were volunteering at regionals we started volunteering at regionals that year and um is that when the light went off <laughs> that was when we did that in may of 2012 that was our first year and then by the time we got back we said we should probably get our level ones. Yeah. If this is something that we want to pursue and be bet be coaches and be and learn. So yeah. in June, we got our level ones. Pause for a moment. All right. So um, am I recording? Yes. Okay. So in June, Will and I went to Atlanta, got our level ones. We came back. Uh, it was July 4th weekend when, when uh, I, I, I went to my mom's and uh, he was here in Lynn Haven. And, you know, we had many conversations and I said, you know, would, would, would this be ever something that you'd be interested in doing together? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, well, what do I need to do? And he said, you need to, we got to put a business plan together. We need a budget. We need, so I, um, Went ahead and applied for the affiliate. Now, are you still working the job at that point? I was. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think, at, I can't remember exactly when it happened, but at one point I transferred from being 
the association manager to actually working directly for a real estate agent and as a personal assistant okay. just because the stress that was in that yeah. job was just ugh. And then working, I worked for Karen Smith, who I just loved and still love. She's just this positive, incredible woman. And um, so we were at Panhandle. We had been think, toying around with this idea about opening a gym. And um, we, I competed with Panhandle on a team up at World Camp. And somebody had approached me and said, um, are you looking at opening up a gym in Panama City Beach? <laughs> And I was with the owners of Panhandle CrossFit, and they both were like, what? And I was like, okay, cat's out of the bag. Yeah, I guess that's what we're planning on doing. So um, we stayed with them about another two weeks, and then we let them know what our intentions were. We were going to open up on the beach, so you know we were no threat to them. Yeah. And then really in June, end of 1st of July, we, we, we pulled out of there. Yeah. Um, and not for any other reason, just so that they didn't feel like we were trying to recruit out of their place or anything like that. So, um, or still information. Or, right, right, right. Yeah. We just didn't, uh, you know, we didn't want to go there. Right. So, uh, we, our uh, affiliate was accepted. Um, we put our money together. We found this space that we're sitting in today uh, that had a built in apartment, which was great respite. Um, it was filled, literally filled almost to the ceiling with construction debris. Um, the place was almost in foreclosure. It was just really a bad situation. So the owner of the building, they took 13 of those giant dumpsters of crap out of here. Wow. We pressure washed everything. Brought in all the mats. The pull-up rig used to be over there. I remember. I mean, it, it was used, just... It was over there when yeah, it first came. And, and all the rings used to be on this side. And uh, and then September 1st, we opened up, and I was terrified. We got our level ones. We opened a gym. Terrible idea. Yeah. Terrible idea. Yeah. There, um, you know, as I have said before, people think that having a level one and owning a gym means you're automatically going to make a million dollars in CrossFit. And it just no. is not no. what happens. Um, there are some really successful gyms, but I, I know that um, in this area, we were the first ones on the beach. Uh, the girl who was on the West End closed at her one year mark. She just didn't have the client base to, to stay open. And so we were it. And, um, All I did in the beginning was teach beginners. All I taught was basic squat mechanics. I was still learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I got better as well. I le- was learning. We were we would branch out occasionally a little bit here and there. Um, I was trying to learn from people. I mean, Will was still my coach, but we were both trying to. I think he's outside working out. <laughs> we were both trying to. Um, learn from coaches and from people who are better than us. Right. So, um, at the about the little after the one year mark, uh, you know, there was a, a, a parting of ways uh, with a, a guy who used to be a coach here, and uh, you know, we really at that point it was it was just the two of us, and we had to develop um, 
we, we really had to hone our skills at that point because at a year you still aren't no. experienced mm-hmm. enough. Um, I was competing. We were competing. But just competing doesn't get you better. Competing, you learn. Um, we kept cycling the open. We did, uh, you know, I sort of was climbing up the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. The master's division came around, and then I was in the um, 45 master's division. And then um, in 2014, I was like 233rd in the world, which surprised the hell out of me because I didn't think I was that good. Yeah. So from the 2014 Open to the 2015 Open, I really spent a lot of time working heavy strength stuff, working major gymnastics stuff, working with gymnastics specialists who could tune in CrossFit-style gymnastics, not just gymnastics-style gymnastics. Right. So being, being in that mindset and then training towards the Open, being very focused... The 2015 Open came, and I stayed on the front page the whole time at 48 years old. And, oh, no, I was 47. Yeah, I was 47. And um, Will and I were both like, holy shit, you could actually make it. Yeah. So we finished the five weeks. I finished in 28th position, made it to the qualifier was like, huh? <laughs> and then the qualifier came. And I'll be perfectly honest in letting you know that the man who is your husband, your boyfriend, your significant part, other, your partner, who is also your coach, that divide, that line, that gray area, is so hard to find. Our relationship really suffered because he expected so much out of me and I delivered but I'm a woman I want praise I want yeah I want to be coddled I want to be you know I want to have a cake every time I do something well <laughs> um he wasn't big on he wasn't he didn't really care about my diet too much he really focused on my cardio he really focused on my gymnastics he really put me through drills that made me push dark push and so when the qualifier came I just they released the workouts I was like well shit okay so I I, I gave it we had four days I gave it all I had there were only two workouts I had to do twice One, uh, one was the muscle up workout muscle ups and heavy cleans I did that one twice got an extra rep out of it that was good but it was the last workout that was the double Jackie chest bar. Mm-hmm. Thousand meter row, 50 thrusters, 30 chest bar, two rounds. I did it the first time with him scoring me, screaming at me the whole time. I was in tears. I was so mentally fucked up from that workout. Yeah. Because all I wanted was for him to be proud of me and be excited for me. And instead, it was just so much pressure. And I did not do well. I was crying. I was, t- I was totally 
post out. It was terrible. <laughs> and he's, he's, get off the floor. Stop oh. crying. Get up. Get up. Get up. Finish this. So uh, this was on a Sunday. And with the master's qualifier, you have to have a third person in your camera angle. It's just for verification. And uh, I think it was 26, almost 27 minutes. Um, I was heaped up on the floor. I was just heartbroken. And I'm not doing that again. Fuck that. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that workout again. I'm not doing it. We gathered ourselves up. We went home. And the guy who was our third person was also a coach here named Gabe. A big Hungarian dude. I remember him. He messaged me that night and said, you have to do it again. You have to. You have to get a better score. You're so close right now. This is your year. You have to do it again. And I said, I can't. I can't. Not with him yelling at me like that. I, I just I'm, I just need to be, I want some praise. I want some quiet when it's going yeah. on. So he said, I'll score you. We'll have this person be there as the third. third. This is the time we'll do it. Will will still be at work. This will not be, let's do this. I woke up the next morning. I'm like, fuck it. We're doing it. Went throughout the day teaching classes. Um, we arranged a time. We get everything set up. He's very, he's a very calm person, and he had scored me for most of my open workouts. And I love the way he coaches me, just mm-hmm. sort of very mellow and let's keep moving, let's keep moving. Um, we got everything set up. I went ahead and did that muscle-up workout as a sort of a warm-up. Finished that, dropped down. Uh, Wildlife was here doing a box sale. Uh, There were people in the gym. And I pretty much told everybody, listen, don't talk to me. Don't cheer for me, no nothing. I don't want to hear a thing. I just want to hear, great job, keep pushing. Setting up the clock, getting ready. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) He pulls up in his truck. Oh. And he comes in on fire. What the hell? And I said, listen, I need you to sit on that bench over there and don't say a word. If you can't say, good job, keep pushing, don't say a word. He sat there all right. <laughs> Arms folded. <laughs> he was mad. He was really mad. And, and afterwards I understood, but really yeah. that was where I needed him yeah. in that moment. So we start the clock. I can feel the heat coming off of him behind me. (laughs) I get on the rower. Gabe is very calm. We keep the rower moving. We get the thrusters moving. I do all the chest to bars, sets of five, move through two rounds. 23.05. I shaved over three minutes off my time. Sealed my spot for the games. And I was elated. And, And logged the time. Still had an hour to go. Saw all the other times popping up. 15th position coming out of the qualifier. I knew it. I knew yeah. it. That was it. I was, yeah. the, there was maybe one or two more that we were waiting, but 15 was safe, yeah. seeing as what was left. And I knew that uh, there was one female who was going to go as a team to regionals, so I knew she was out. Um, and on a night 
when I was receiving text messages from all over the world, Facebook blowing up, my phone blowing up, he was so mad at me. (laughs) And it was so hard because I guess, you know, the lesson learned was that, you know, when it came down to the nut crunch, um, you know, I needed him to just sort of stand aside and, um, and in the time, at the time he didn't really understand that. And, you know, we, we worked through that stuff and, um, uh, took a couple of days, sort of get back on track. I took a couple of days off and we finally were like, and then I got the invitation and they, they got my video and, and then it was like, it's real. Okay. We're going. And then you guys walked in literally the next day and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I, I, you know, I got to do a fundraiser. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know how, you know, we didn't know anything. We, it, it was not a fluke. It was something I earned, but I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I didn't know how to train. I didn't know. I I had been seeing these women's names on the leaderboard for the last three years And and I had been seeing them go and I had, I won the Southeast region. I was like, how the hell did that happen? When you talk about, like, you said you would, you know, you'd take members to, to volunteer mm-hmm. at regionals, and they would be like, holy shit, how far is that gap? Right. Well, now the gap's even broader when you go from, okay, well, now I made it to the dance. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different arena. It's a different amount of pressure. There's all these eyes. Yeah, and I thousands think, of eyes. I think too. You, you. Uh, I went through. I don't know if other people have gone through this. I'm sure they have. But I mean, I got there, and it wasn't that I didn't feel like I deserved to be there. I was there, and I was like, oh my god, I'm among the top 20 women in the world. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I've been seeing these women perform for really well for the last three years because we're all you know we're all in the same age group and uh, you go there and, and I tell people listen you watch the Super Bowl you watch the CrossFit Games on TV every year until you're a player on that field you cannot imagine what that feels like exactly. being a spectator in the crowd is one <clears throat> thing having the jersey having the shorts having the new shoes having the tag around your neck being there and standing and looking around at the stadium for the first time. And this is the first year the Masters were in yeah. the stadium. And thinking, oh, my God. And my family's there, and they all think I'm a Superman. And my boyfriend's there, and he's like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? You're falling apart. You've got to stop falling apart. <laughs> stop falling apart. Please, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. imagine, you know. And knowing that How, all these people yeah. here in these four walls are so excited. I yeah. didn't want to disappoint anybody. Yeah. Even though what was needing to be accomplished had already been accomplished. Yeah. And, you know, come to find out while I was on the field, they were here with a uh, projector and they were oh, watching they? me. That's and so cool. um, that that <clears throat> that. It, that we had really great people to take over for us while we were gone for 10 days and that things ran smoothly and during the busiest time of the year and um, you know we got there and we just soaked it all in and I kept telling Will you'll be here next year you'll be here next year and he kept saying no nah, no nah, no this is you know 
let, let's just be here. And that's what we did. And uh, uh, had a great first day, finished first day in sixth position, had a great thruster, had a great um, workout with the snatches and the running. Um, and then the second day was that giant chipper where we had to run a thousand meters around the, mm-hmm. oh my God, I bombed that so bad, so bad, so, so, so bad. <laughs> um, dead last, very embarrassing. And when we, when I walked back around and went to, uh, the, the field house where we were all lined up, I just heaped up on the floor and just cried for half an hour because I was so God, how could I mess that up so bad? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> well, t- <clears throat> you're saying dead last, but <laughs> dead last of the, the top right, right, right. 20 in the world. Just how- in that workout, too. Yeah, I didn't finish that, dead last. But that's what I'm saying. How can you – I understand, but you are so competitive, obviously. I mean, we just chronicled that stuff, but – where, like me, I'd be like, shit, what are you talking about? I'd be so excited. I, I was excited, but I was so overwhelmed. Yeah. My thought process was so, like, I'm not ready for this. There wasn't anything, there wasn't any task I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, I could do the deadlifts. I could do the overhead. I could do the double. I mean, I could do everything. Yeah. But... And doing, being out on the field, too, is just so, I mean, it's so big, it's so beautiful, and it's so, like, you're so outside of yourself. Yeah. Plus, I think of the top 20 women, at least 10 of them had been there multiple times. Yeah. So that was a very easy well, place for them to be. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they're more relaxed where you still have, I mean, regardless of where you've competed before, you still have the butterflies of... Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're in this yeah. huge arena. Um, wound up finishing the games in 15th position, so moved up, moved down, moved back to the middle. Um, totally happy with that. Um, again, you know, just like once an Ironman, always an Ironman. Once yeah. a games athlete, always, always a games athlete. Always a games athlete. Um, came back from that. A lot of people wanted a piece of me. Come compete here, come compete here, yeah. come compete here went to a national level weightlifting competition, loved that, had a great time doing that. Um, uh, have since, uh, you know, didn't do that great in the open. Um, you know, have some, my focus this year really is, uh, my priority really wasn't towards the open. I'm, 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 I started a second business and um, that that really is what, what was what was so time consuming, and I just my focus wasn't towards the open this year, so I didn't do as well this year. You know, seven of the top ten women in the forty to forty four moved into my age group. That makes it that much more competitive. Um, I'm not saying I'm out for the rest of my forties, but I will really make a, a, a hard, tough go of it again when I'm fifty because I'll be. Um, the bottom end of that. I'll be the young girl yeah. in that group. Yeah. Um, I dislocated my shoulder six weeks before the games last year, uh, snatching. Um, 
out of the front of my AC joint, uh, got that put back in, but I was I didn't hang from a bar or snatch a barbell six weeks before the games last year. So, so not till you got there, right? Not till I got there. Yeah. Um, and then we had bar muscle ups in the first workout. So tested it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Trial by so fire. A rusty was really great in putting all that back together. So after the open this year, I took six weeks off of just no no bar work, no barbell work. Letting this heal, there's probably a labrum tear. There's probably something like that. Um, I just I'm afraid to go to the doctor and have an MRI because <laughs> they're going to tell me I need surgery or something, and I just don't want to do that right now. So, um, so really, this summer has been focused on uh, choosing some things. Uh, I chose to take on a soccer team this mm-hmm. summer. I'm doing. You know, those guys are super agile and very fast. Uh, I developed their strength program. Right. So I have the uh, their boys. They're ages anywhere from 12 to about 16. I have them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I, I developed that program. Um, in August, uh, the Gulf Coast women's softball team will be back here. I'm their strength and conditioning coach for the third year. I love working that program love it um those girls are terrific athletes they come here they are very out of shape they spent the summer hanging out and not doing much of anything uh coach their head coach beth wade and i are very good friends she's a member here um having that program here is awesome it really is development at its finest because you really get to see the change. Mm-hmm. I get them August, September, November, December, and then they start in January. They start playing in February. Oh, wow. So I don't have them at all. And then I get to just sort of see how that transitions over. We also coach the North Bay Haven girls weightlifting team. Okay. Uh, their, their, their teacher coach works at the school, and we – the first year we had them, there were eight. This last year, we had 23. Wow. Yeah, we took two girls to state last year. We took two girls to state this year. Uh, would like to take at least that many, you know, this coming year. Uh, we went and uh, our coaching staff here went and spent a weekend with Daniel Camargo and uh, got our USAW certification under him. What a brain that guy has. Just genius. And his coaching philosophy and his teaching philosophy. I mean, I would want to emulate, if I could emulate anybody's coaching style, it's his. Mm-hmm. He's great. Um, uh, my, my plan is actually is next month is to, to get my level two. Okay. My USAW level two. And then um, we're, we'll put a barbell club here and, and then, uh, you know, in anybody that would want to train at a national level, juniors or seniors, um, unfortunately, masters don't really count much for anything, but um, I'll keep working that skill set and having fun this summer. Yeah, competing. I competed last year, last weekend last at weekend. the uh, Battle of the Ages and won that with my uh, teen twenty thirty with me in the forty. Um, competing at the Tough Games this weekend. Competing at the Beach Brawl in a couple of months in September. Yeah. Uh, I'll go back to American Nationals uh, for weightlifting this year. That'll be in November. Um, You know, we just, as the years go by, the programs um, 
ebb and flow, and they, they I think uh, as a general uh, gym owner, you have to be, you have to have, uh, people have to have access to you. Right. If they're doing CrossFit and they want to learn weightlifting, great, easy, transi- easy transition. If they're CrossFit and they want to be Ninja Warrior, even still, we can, yeah. we can easily transition into that. We can find you a place where you can get some rock climbing in. But I think generally overall what our people are looking for is just a general f- overall fitness. Overall fitness. Yep. And then my second business is called Zone to Go, and I'm, it's a healthy meal prep service. They don't have to cook anything. I make all their meals based on what their nutritional needs are. So all they have to do is pull it out of the refrigerator, throw it in the microwave, eat it. Uh, And that has been really successful. Not just for people out of my gym, but for other clients as well that don't have time, don't want to go to CrossFit. All right. So that's the end of part one of our uh, podcast with Everly. And you can catch part two next week right here on the Barbell Voodoo Podcast. So if if you would, go ahead and click the subscribe button if you have not yet. Share it with your friends. Um, Share it with your enemies. Shit, what do I care? Just share it. Um, Also, if you don't have iTunes or if you don't have an iPhone, uh, head over to Stitcher. We put it up there as well. For you guys. So, anyway, that's the end of um, this week's podcast and episode one with Everly. And check back next week for part two. Cool. Thanks. Guys.